Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit alivechurchoc.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or Derek Dunn OC. Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So we've got to have vision. If you can't see, you're bumping into everything. If you can't see, you can walk off a cliff. If you can't see, you can't drive. Please don't drive, all right? And, and, and so what happens, we, we, we've got to be able to see where we're going. Uh, where, what you're looking at is where you're going. If you're looking at defeat, guess where you're heading? And uh, many of you heard this example. I love to drive motorcycles. I have a Harley. Anyone else like motorcycles out there? Joey, a few people. All right. And so, oh, okay. And so, uh, uh, but, but one thing I learned when I went through training, because my wife was nervous. She's like, you, you better make sure you know what you're doing. So I went through safety course. They teach you when you're driving the bike and you turn left, you don't look left because you'll fall. So you look, even your, your, your wheel's going that way, you're looking to where you're going, so when you turn back around, the bike will follow your eyes, it will follow your body. Well, that's true also. What you're looking at, if you're always looking at the feet, or maybe you don't know where you're going, you're just looking at the ground, what are you going to do? You're going to be walking around in circles. And so we need to have our eyes fixed on the right thing. Vision is absolutely important for three reasons. Number one, we learned this uh, back, I think, in February. Vision gives us purpose. Someone say Purpose. What's your purpose? You got to know your vision, okay? If you, if you know what your vision, you know what your dream is. Uh, vision brings dream into reality. Many people have a dream, I have a dream. Well, how, what does that look like? How are you going to get there? You, you've got to have vision. Vision brings the, the, the dream into clarity. Well, I want to be an artist. Well, what does that look like? What do you need to do? How are you going to study? How, you know, what, what, what training do you need to have? Where, what room do you need to be in? Vision enables us to do that. So we've got to have vision to fulfill our purpose. Number two, then vision out of that flows a plan. So when we know what our vision is, we can begin to plan. We can begin to come up with a strategy to get there. All right, how many of you want to be successful in business? Well, you need a business plan. If you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. People say, well, I want to prosper. I want to be a kingdom financier. Well, what do you want to do? I want to be an entrepreneur. Well, what are you going to do with it? Well, I got this idea. You know, my grandma... She had this cookie that was really nice and it's really sweet and I want to make it. Well, are people looking for new, a new type of cookie? Come on. Sometimes we get so excited about something nobody else is excited about. And so in our business, we're, we're, we've got to find something where, where what, we're solving problems for people. When we have a vision. What's the goal of our business? To solve problems for people. In any service industry you're in and in any business you're in as an entrepreneur, what problem are you solving for people? You know, Amazon's successful. Not that I'm, I'm not promoting this morning, all right? We're just, but it's an example. Amazon's successful. Why? It's convenient. It solves a problem. In COVID, it solved a big problem because nobody wanted to go meet people at the, at the grocery store. Nobody wants to meet people at the, at the you know, go shopping. So what, everything's online. You don't have to meet anyone. They leave it at your door. DoorDash solved the problem. You know, thank God. Why didn't you think of that? Come on, come on. Think of the person who made a paperclip. It's so simple, but it's necessary. They solve problems. And so if we can think of that, have vision, we come up with a plan and, and we can begin to accomplish it. How are we going to come up with a plan? How are we going to get it together? How are we going to produce it? How are we going to get the word out? How are we going to do our marketing? How are we going to solve problems people? Then how are we going to scale our business, all right? And so that's true. Same in the church. We want to reach people. Well, what kind of people are we trying to reach? There's all different kinds of churches out there. We're part of the big C, the capital C. We are the church. Jesus is the head of the church. But why do we have little C's? 
because there's a distinctive. Every church is different. Different strokes for different folks. You can worship God with an organ. Some churches, they don't like drums. If you're looking for that kind of church, you're probably in the wrong one. But, but you know, different churches, different styles of music. It's not right or wrong. It's preference. We can all worship God. Okay, different churches have different styles, you know, of, of worship. Some is very more traditional. Some is a bit more contemporary. We use relevant music. We're not trying to be like the world, but come on, we're not living in the 60s anymore. Music has changed. <laughs> and so we can do things different. You know, some people, right now, there's this huge thing about women. You know, women can preach. Get over it. Come on, women have been preaching. We've had women preaching for 10 years. People are still debating about it. If, if someone's gifted, let them preach. Lace killed it this morning. Awesome. Give her a big hand. Amen. You know, we had a great man. Chris did well in the first service. But we celebrate women. People are still debating. We've long moved on, and women are being anointed and empowered and, and, and furthering the kingdom. But we're still debating about it. But, you know, if you want to stay in your tradition, stay in your tradition. We're not knocking it, but, but it's different styles for different people. Why are we a live church? Because God's called us with distinctive. People ask Pastor Susan and myself all the time, why Orange County? We didn't come here because of the beach. We didn't come here because the weather's nice. All my family's on the East Coast. We didn't come here to be around family. We came here because God called us, because God gave us a purpose, because we have a vision and we're doing it in obedience to God. It's not a, a preference, it's, it's a mission. And so we've got to have a plan. And then what? Because we have a purpose, because we have a plan, we can now pray for, for it to come. Some people pray, well, I'm praying God will bless me. Well, what does that look like? You're already blessed. Some of you didn't say amen. amen. If you live in America and you had three meals and a snack yesterday, you're more blessed than 80% of the population of the world. You know, you say, sound like my dad. Well, yes. <laughs> We're blessed. We live in a blessed side. Even with all our problems and all we got going wrong, we live in a government where we have freedom of speech. Now, the crazy people can say whatever they want to. But we also can say it. So I'm not going to knock that. We live in a world we can say, we have freedom to speak. I'm not against that. Anybody can speak. Even the crazy stuff can speak. Let's not try to shut them down because then they're going to shut us down. <laughs> Anyone can say, you can say whatever you want to do. You have freedom of speech. That's this nation. That's the beauty of this nation. But the problem is when people are trying to shut the church down, we have a right to have a voice like everyone else. We have a right to our opinion. I pay taxes. You know, so I have a right to, to, to vote, to say whatever I want to. Well, you're a Christian. Keep your stuff in the church. No, no, no. I'm a citizen who has Christian values and Christian beliefs. And so I have a right to say, if you're a free thinker, you have your beliefs. If you're a Mormon or you're a Buddhist or whoever, you have your beliefs. But, but guess what? We have a right to speak out. Are you here? And so vision is very important for us. And so as we come into the, the point of vision and we ask ourselves, what kind of church are we? Maybe you're visiting this morning, people are looking for a church. What are we really looking for? We're looking for something, a vision that we can identify with. It's not just about hearing a message. You could stay home and some people are on the internet this morning. God bless you. You're, you're watching and we love that around the world. We have more people watching internationally than we even do in a church, our church every week. And so praise God for that. But we can't disciple you online. <laughs> you know, when your kid gets married, I'm not going to be there unless you send me a business class ticket and I might think about it. Come on. <laughs> you know. When you're, there's a funeral, there's no relationship just through online. Church is not just about getting a sermon and getting information. It's about identifying with a vision that we can take our gifts and our calling and identify with the big calling, the, the, the purpose of the church, and we come in and we get connected to the macro using our micro, and that's where we can flourish. Are you here? 
So as we talk to ourselves as a church, as a live church, who are we really? What are we? You know, why do we need another church? A few questions we can ask ourselves. First of all, what do we want? And as we did a survey and check among the leaders and many of the core members, what do we want as a believer? A few things came out. What do we want? We want an exciting life. We're tired of the mundane life. Come on, there's more to just getting a job, getting an education, buying a nice car and a nice watch, getting a pretty wife, have one boy, one girl, and hopefully maybe get a boat. And that was our life. The Orange County dream. Or we're just wanting to be seen in all of our show. Look at me. You know, some people, they go, you, you want to meet them. And they're like, look at me. Look at me. Look at my watch. I don't care what kind of watch you have. Come on. It's very funny. We have all these, you know, $10,000 watches. Everyone, now everyone's gone to an Apple watch. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're, now it's the band, you know. But it's like we got the Apple watch because we can't disconnect it from our phones, you know. But it's like, it's, like we, we, it's not about that. It's not about what you wear, what you, it's not about our identity and beginning to try to get rid of our insecurities by what we wear and what we drive and the house we live in and, and you know, trying to create this glamorous life and keep up with the Joneses. That's exhausting. You know, and many of us, someone, we don't even like the stuff. We just do it because someone else, we want someone to look at us, you know. And so, you know, we, we need to come to the place where we're not focused on those things. But what do we want as a church? We want an exciting life. And we want, we want a hunger for the power and the presence of God. Why do we come to church? We want to encounter God. Yes. We want to encounter his presence. We want to come. Church is not a concert. Yes. Church is, worship is not a performance. We know where Stephen's getting up here. Come on, come on, let's dance, dance. And they're dancing and sweating. They've been here since 7.30 and you drag in at 11.15. That ain't dancing. Come on, you still remember some of you were even dancing on Friday night. We know what you were doing. But when we come to the house of God, we're just there to, many times people come traditionally just to what? Make sure they, you know, have their heaven card. Well, I was in church. Must be okay with God. But our life is not hungering after God. Our life is not after the presence of God. That's not the kind of church we are. Some people say, well, why is the worship longer some weeks? Because we worship until we hit heaven. (laughs) Come on. And so we're not going to worship you know, 13 point, 30 second, 13 minutes and 30 seconds, because that's the timer in the order of the service, and we haven't touched heaven yet. That's not worship. That's just preliminaries for the late people to show up so the preacher can preach. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking to encounter God. You're going to leave, no matter how great of a message you had, no matter how much you, you like my preaching, I hope you do, what's gonna, you're gonna, what are you going to remember? It's that you encountered God. It's that, that God, you had an aha moment with God on that day. And it could have been in the offering. It could have been in worship. It could have been in one of the points. It could have been someone who talked to you out in the, in the foyer. But we encounter God. And that's what church is about. So we want to be a church that we're exciting. Uh, we want to live an exciting life. We don't just want to live a mundane, boring life, go through life, pay bills, go to church on Sunday for an hour, and that's it. We want to make our life count for God. Can you say Amen. We want to count the, the presence of God. We want to have our purpose and meaning and life defined. Why are we here? Why were we born for such a time as this? Why weren't you born in the 40s? Why weren't you born in the 1920s? Why are you born? When, it's not an accident. God has called us for such a time as this to serve him in our generation. Amen? And we want to have genuine relationship. When I first moved to California, everyone's so friendly, and I began to coin this phrase. I said, everyone's friendly, but no one's your friend. 
Yes, it was, oh, beautiful. Yeah, let's get together, have coffee, see you later. And you never even exchanged emails or phone numbers. Everyone's very friendly. Everyone's nice, but it goes very surface. And I'm not stereotyping everybody, but, but what do we want? We want genuine relationship. Come on, let's be friendly on the surface. Let's be nice. Let's be approachable, but let's have deep relationships. You have know, people, you know, you can talk, how are you, how's the weather, how's great, oh, what's your favorite sport, oh, yeah, amazing. But then you're like, how are you doing in life? How's your marriage? How are your kids? Ah, that's too personal. We don't want to go, you know, I'm from the South, so we, you know, we're very different in the South. You know, we call it Southern people, they're different. They leave the doors unlocked and, you know, it's, it's, we have Southern hospitality, different cultures. Not, but, but, but sometimes we're like that, and we can't build relationship if we're not friendly. We can't build relationship if we're not genuine. So we want to be a church that's genuine relationship. We love you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the wonderful. It's a package deal. No matter how dressed up we are this morning, no matter how we were, we woke up this morning with smelly breath, with our hair out of place, and we needed to shave, or we need to put some makeup on. Come on. Why? Because, because we're not perfect, and it's okay. Our imperfection is going to show up. We all have issues. When one's going through it, let's go through it together. When one rejoices, don't be jealous of the other person. Come on, let's rejoice that that person's having a victory and know God's going to give us one too. So that's what we're looking for. How do we get there? Well, we need to create a strong spiritual atmosphere. We need to create encounters. Coming to church and, you know, we talk about training people in this counseling and this message and that, but, but really what we need to do as believers, is, or as pastors, as leaders, is train people to come in and encounter with Jesus. Because if you encounter Jesus, your life will be changed. When Paul encountered Jesus, what happened? He got hit with a light, he fell off his horse, and he said, who are you? And then the second thing he said was, what do you want me to do? And that's when, when you fall in love with Jesus and you're in love with Jesus, what will you say? God, what do you want me to do? How can I serve you? What's my life about? I just want to please you. Yeah. And that's the passion. Without an encounter, it's just religion. Religion kills. Do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. That was the law. But Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus. And out of that relationship with him, what are we able to do? We're able to serve him. And, but we do that out of an encounter. We need to take, create opportunities to encounter. We need to create an atmosphere. How do we do that? Coming in, ready to praise God. Well, I don't feel like praising God. Well, that's the best time to praise him. The Bible says offer up the sacrifice of praise. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on. When you don't feel like going to church, that's the time you need to make sure you show up. Because the message was probably for you. There was an encounter for you, and you messed, it by, messed up by how you feel. We don't walk by our feelings. We walk by faith. Yes. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. So yes. we're committed to God. We're committed because why we want an encounter with God. And each one of us brings that, that, that encounter there. If only 80% of us are worshiping God, guess what? We're going to have an 80% atmosphere. Yeah. You know? If, if only 80% are tithing, we're going to have an 80% open heaven. Because the Bible says when you don't give, the heavens are closed. But guess what? When we're all serving, we're all doing it. Come on. If we only have 10% of people like most churches serving, then guess what? People are going to burn out. But come on, if 80% of us are serving and the new people are trying to figure out what they want to do, guess what? We're going to have a church where we're all serving one another and it's a joy to serve. So we, we have to begin to, to create encounters. We have to build a strong spiritual atmosphere. What, how do we do that? Through practical application, through relevant messaging. Our messages are going to be practical. 
you know, some churches you go and they have a theological Bible study. And that's great. I'm not here to teach you about the furniture of the tabernacle this morning. I can do that. I've got a theology degree. I, I do that in Bible school. But guess what? Learning all the furnitures and all their measurements and what they were made out of all that is not going to help you this week in your job. It's not going to help you in your marriage day. It's not going to help you. Now, those things aren't bad. They're placed in the Old Testament for the practical purpose of giving us a shadow of what worship is really like. So even in the teaching, if we learn all the different furnitures in the rooms, it was a pattern, it was a roadmap on how we approach the presence of God. But we've got to bring things practical. Take the revelation of the word and bring it practical, not just teach, just information. And so practical preaching is very important. We've got to, we, want, we want to have diverse events so that people can connect with us. A lot of people come to church and they come to the connect group first. They come to an event first rather than coming to church first, you know, because of the stigma of the church. You know, if you look at the church today through Hollywood, it's a boring guy who's irrelevant, who dresses like he's in the 70s. You know, is a bit nerdy, and that's the pastor or some guy with a collar who doesn't really speak the language of the people and all this kind of religiosity of what people think church is like. We've had people come and they're like, wow, this is different. This is like no church that I've been to. We say, thank you, amen. We love that. That's a compliment, you know. But maybe they're a part of a traditional church or something like that that just doesn't sit with them. And when they come, they're like, hey, I can relate to this. It's not about sit up, sit down, and do the, you know, all the, all the exercises, and you don't even know what it means. So we want to engage God. We want to, we want to have a, a time where there's diversity where people can come in and connect through different things, through women's meeting. We have men's events. You know, We do different outings and stuff that we do. We, we you know, have youth events. We, we have connect groups. We've got all different types of things going on to connect with people. We have our city care. We did have people connect with the church just through a garage sale. You know, which is great. Come on, garage sale can be anointed. Amen. You know, people come and give you money and take stuff and realize there's a church here and they didn't know. So all of these types of things we can do creatively to reach our community. We want to train people in lifestyle. How do we get there? We got to train people in lifestyle. Help people to grow and be successful. Not just being spiritually successful. I met people and I've grown up and, you know, people are so spiritual. They can prophesy the house down, but they can't pay their bills and keep their lights on. You got people that, you know, they're moved strong in a word of knowledge and they're super sharp, but yet they can't keep a job because they're not focused. And to them, those things are not spiritual. What the Bible says to those who are spiritual, all things are spiritual. God just doesn't want us to prosper and be able to pray and be able to worship. He wants us to be a good employer. He wants us to be a great entrepreneur. He wants us to be, you know, a great student. In every area of our life, we excel. Daniel, he, he, he stood for God, and what did he do? He had an excellent spirit. So having excellence in what we do. As Christians, we want to excel. We want to be able to manage our money well. Yes. Amen. We want to be able to manage our kids well. What's the point? Some pastors, you know, sometimes they're the worst. <laughs> you know, and, and Susan and I determined not to have this. Where pastors, The pastor and the wife are powerful, moving in, in God, and the kids are all backslidden and hate church. That's not a testimony. It's what we got to do. we got to learn to be good, not just grow in our spiritual gifts, but grow in parenting. Yeah. Be able to relate to our kids. Be able to communicate. Let, our first connect group is our family. Yeah. And, and we're not perfect, you know, and, and don't, don't look at PKs. And you're a pastor's kid. you got to be this way. Our kids are growing too. You know, we're growing as parents. We're all learning. We practicing, practice parenting on our kids. You heard me say that. But is our family a priority? It is a priority. Why? Because what's the point? We gain the whole world and lose our kids. 
you know, that, that's terrible. We want our kids, not that they have to be in full-time ministry and many of them can be called differently, but they love God. They're serving in the house of God and they grow up and raise their kids in the house of God. Come on, success. We won, you know, especially in this day and age. That's what we want to do. But that comes through that encounter. It comes through training a lifestyle. We want to train people in every area of our life. We can prosper intellectually. We can prosper emotionally. We can prosper spiritually. We can prosper physically. Even the Bible says physical training has some value. Let that sick in. That means, come on, don't just be building up your spirit, man. Build up your body. Get in the gym. You know, I've been traveling, and traveling's terrible. So this week I'm on a diet. It's been hell, but it's good for me. Amen. Uh, you know, I'm in the gym. I was in the gym five days this week. Come on. Physical training has some value. But I still showed up for men's prayer meeting. Come on. I still showed up to work on time. Still, we got to balance in our life and teach people, the church, to be healthy in every area of life. The Bible gives us instructions on everything, on parenting, on how to be a husband, on how to be a wife, on how to be a child. Come on, on how to be an employee, on how to be a boss. Everything's in the Bible so we can be successful and we want to train people in those life skills. Amen? And then what? We want to give back to the community. It's not about us just being here in a spiritual bunker all prospering, and then we're, we're, it's just for us, just for our family. No, we need to take what we have and share. Freely we receive, freely we want to give it. We want to bless our community and give back to our community. Amen? So why do we exist beyond numbers? It's not just about growing up. Some people say, well, you know, the church, why, you know, why is the church not grown? Why aren't we in the thousands after 10 years and all of that? Why? Because not everybody wants what we have. Not everybody wants what we want. Every pastor wants to grow. Any pastor who tells you he doesn't want to grow, he's lying. Pastors like crowds. I preach to thousands of people everywhere I go, but I come back to here and preach to hundreds. But guess what? It's not about the crowd. It's not about the numbers. The strength of the church is not in numbers. You can have a church of 10,000 people and only 20 go for missions. You're going to have a church of 10,000 people and only 20% give. Only 10% tithe. Is that a strong church? Well, it depends what you're looking at. You're looking at numbers or are you looking at the quality of discipleship? Jesus never said, go make converts. We got to get them converted first. What did he say? Make disciples. And so we want people to disciples. We want people that, 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 that take the spirit and they can, they can be trained and they're growing and they're healthy in their life. They're embracing their God-given gifts and, and, and the call of God in their life. So we want to exist to raise up disciples. Not everybody wants to be discipled. I figured that out. Yeah. Jesus' time, they didn't either. Jesus said, take up your cross, come and follow me. If you're not, do that. You're not worthy of me. And many people said, that's too much, Jesus. He said, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, if I'm not the center and the source of your life, you're not worthy of me. And many departed. They came for the free lunch. When he was multiplying the fish and the bread, they all wanted a piece of that. Come on. When he was doing miracles and there was a show going on, oh my gosh, blind eyes, lame people, this is cool. That's great. But when it came down to them making a life decision, not everybody was willing to be a disciple. Cornelius was a religious man, but he wouldn't leave his religious structure. Jesus had to look at him and say, you were so close, but you weren't willing to, 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 to go all in. Someone say all in. We want to raise up fervent disciples. We want, to, we want a society to be impacted. We want to see individuals and families and communities transform one at a time. How do we change our, our community? We pray for revival. How does revival happen? Revival is not, it's not biblical to pray for revival for the world. 
Got real quiet here. Revival's for the church. Reformation's for the world. Because as we are revived, as we encounter God, one individual at a time, a couple at a time, a family at a time, a church at a time, what happens? We start impacting our community. As we go outside the four walls of our church, we're salt and light. Come on, we go out and we bring impact to our world. But we have to be first impact. That's revival. Come on, that's the vivi, vive, you know, that's being alive. I love the word vive. If we were, you know, in Italian or Spanish, it's vive, you know. That sounds cool. I like it. We looked at that as one of the names, but people are going, what is vive? It's not, you know, are you trying too hard? No, no, we're alive. That's what it means. Are you alive? That's the church. We're a life-giving church. We're a spirit-filled church. We're, we're what? The Holy Spirit's overflowing out of our life. That's why we exist. And as we encounter God individually, as our family counters God, come on, as our church is on fire, what happens? We're going to impact our community, and what are we going to do? We're going to keep taking our community one person at a time as they come to Jesus, as they encounter his presence, and then guess what's happening? We're going to start planting churches all over the territory. Come on, and take our territory for Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Amen? So what makes us happy to serve others? When we look at our church and, and we come and serving others, what motivates us? One thing I think is that we're multicultural. Yeah. You put a smile on your face and look around. Come on, we're not the typical church. We're not the typical white Orange County church. We're not the typical Hispanic church. We're not the typical Korean church. We're not the typical Chinese church where everyone's Korean, everyone's Chinese, everyone speaks Spanish. But come on, we got the Spaniards in here. Come on. We got Mexicans. Come on. We got, we got Koreans. We got Chinese in here. We got African Americans in here. And, and, and we've got people. And come on. We've got Brazilians in here. We've got, we've got all people from all different ethnicities that come in. I love it. That's the church. We got Filipinos in here. Come on. I'm looking around. We got all different demographics. I mean, whites, so we're a minority. But that's California. Are you here? But come on, we're all together. It's not, we don't even look at the color of our skin. What are we united around? A love for God and a love for one another. And we love the diversity. That makes the church. People ask me, they come like, wow, like how do, you get the, how do you get the diversities in here? What do you do? And you're starting a Spanish service. No, 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 we just love people. And people come, you know, and we're going to keep them together. If we get more Hispanic people and we need, we need Spanish, we're not going to start a Spanish service. We'll just get headsets. We need Portuguese. We got people who can speak, you know, Portuguese. We'll just get headsets. We all come together. The family, there's no second class service, the English service, and then the sub department. We're all the church. And, and, and that's what we want to do, amen? So we get excited. I get excited about that. I hope you do. We love the diversity in our age demographics. I mean, what, some churches I preach in, they're all gray-headed. Nothing wrong. I got more gray hairs coming out. I'm trying to cover them. But, but you know, nothing wrong with our age. But if the church is all gray-headed, what about the next generation? We're not just going for old people. Are you here? And nothing wrong. If you're older, we love you. We celebrate. But we want Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Come on. We need Abrahams. We need the old people. We need their strength. We need their wisdom. You know, I'm getting a bit older, too. I don't have as much energy. I'm glad I got a lot of young people running around, but I'm smarter. I can give better instructions. Are you here? But, but we, we need the wisdom of the older generation. But then don't be so wise that nobody else qualifies because they're not as wise as you. Of course they aren't. Remember when you were 20. You weren't so wise either, but someone gave you a chance. Give them a chance. I'm so glad someone gave me a chance at 21 to start preaching when it was a mess and help me along the way, and I didn't have this standard. Come on. 
So we need, and then we need the, 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 the Isaacs, the next generation, the sons that are there that are having sons. And so what do we have? And I love it. We've got our children coming on. We've got our H-Gen going. We've got young singles that are focused on Jesus, you know. I heard a statement this week. If you're a single, it's for you. This is a bonus. Get finance before you have romance. Come on. <laughs> That'll preach. And uh, come on. Some people look, build your life, get in your calling, and figure out who's called to go along with you in that. Amen? Don't just, you know, we got all this high school puppy love, and all it does is cause a lot of problems and heartache. Are you here? If you married your high school sweetheart, God bless you. You're a minority. But most of us didn't. But get in the call of God. Get into the focus of God. Build, and then who is God called to walk along with you? Do that and come together and, and, and be happy in a marriage and enjoy the freedom of marriage. And, 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 and what do we do? We want to see all the, the generations coming together, loving God, serving to God, and, and all of our distinctness, and we celebrate one another. Amen? Not everyone has to look the same. We don't all dress the same. You don't have to dress like me to come to church. You want to wear it. Some people came to church this morning with business pants and a business button-up shirt, and that's how you dress. God bless you. We welcome you. Some of you, you're here in your golf shirt. That's fine. You're here in your T-shirt. That's fine. We come and we, we honor God. We don't come in flip-flops and, 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 and uh, you know, a tank top <laughs> because we want to honor God. We want to we wanna honor the house of God. But the way we, we're not, way, you don't have to come in your suit. I grew up in, you know, if you weren't, you couldn't be anointed if you weren't in a suit and a tie. I preach in places, I have to wear suit and ties. You know, they want you to wear a collar because if not, you can't be anointed. And, you know, there's different cultures, but we don't want that. That's not our culture. That's not where we live. We live in California, and I love it. I don't like suits. Amen. Suits are for funerals and weddings. And so if you like that, fine, but it's okay. But we dress Nice. We dress, but we don't have to all look the same or dress the same or have the same fashion or you look like Pastor, everyone looks like Pastor Susan, everyone looks like Pastor Derek, everyone looks like Gwen, you know, and, and, uh, and we, we don't have to be cloning ourselves. There's diversity in who we are. I mean, we're not in, stuck in a former religious conformity. The one thing I love about our church, every week's different. Sometimes in the middle of worship, we end up praying for people and have, a, have the altar call before the preaching. Other times there's the preaching. Other times we've had services, we just worship. We had services, we didn't end the first service and we just went on to the worship service and the next service. And, and it's different because God's moving. It's a life-giving church. Amen? Uh, we're a church that we're happy and we're not afraid of the Holy Spirit because we know he's not weird. Some people make the Holy Spirit weird and I'm a spirit-filled guy. I love the move of God. And I've been to churches and they're out there and I'm like, that doesn't even look like God to me. And I'm not here to judge everything, but God's not weird. Everything the Holy Spirit does, it glorifies Jesus. It doesn't glorify man. It doesn't glorify the flesh. And when we get off in all the spooky stuff, you know, I'm a bit con conservative in the sense that, you know, is it aligning with the word? Is it building the church? Is it building people? Or is it just looking, focus comes on a person? That's not God. Sometimes it's immaturity. We're not here to be critical of it. People are just learning, growing. But the word and the spirit agree. We can be spiritual and we can be natural at the same. Jesus was spiritually natural and naturally spiritual. All things were spiritual. Jesus walked into a room and he looked like everybody else. Why did Jesus have to, Judas have to kiss him on the cheek? Because he looked like everybody else. He had to be recognized. Why? He, people invited him to their house. He wasn't like this guy, ooh, you know, the mystic has come in. And he wasn't like that. And we shouldn't be like that too. You can be spiritual and spiritually natural. You don't have to be weird and give God a bad name. But we love the Holy Spirit. We love what he does. The Holy Spirit's the source of the power of, of the church. He's the one who takes the things that are God's. And John 4, it says, and brings them to us. And the Holy Spirit is active in the church. 
Some denominations preach, well, the, the Holy Spirit is not active today. There's cessationism theology where it was only for the early church. Only the early church needed the power of God. I think we need the power of God more or as much today as they did then and all the stuff we're facing. Come on. Come on, we still need signs and wonders and miracles. We need discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gifts of faith. Come on, we need prophecy. We need tongues, interpretation, all the gifts of the Spirit because it brings heaven to earth. Amen? And we want to empower the many and the few. When it's about empowering the many, what we're all called. Thank you for those three amens. I said we're all called. Tell your neighbor, say, you're called. The Bible says that in the church, Ephesians 4, the ministry gifts are to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So you're all, we're all a full-time wa- worker for God. We're all a full-time minister to God. You're a part-time doctor, a part-time lawyer, part-time entrepreneur, part-time administrator, whatever it is you do. We, everything we do, it's for the Lord. Even our work is ministry. Because what are we doing? We're out there. Ministry is just not in the four walls of the church. You're out there working for the Lord. You're out there shining for Jesus. You're out. That's just as spiritual as what we do in the church. And so we want to empower the many and then the few. Because not all of us are called to, to the full-time ministry gift. But there are those that God's grace as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They're found in Ephesians 4 to equip the saints. And so we want to equip ministry gifts too. Why? Because when we plant churches, I'm not doing everything. Pastor Susan's not doing everything. And so we're very strategic about that, raising up people that have the grace and the gift on their life on that. So so guess what? We're not putting a TV screen, you know, in some church in L.A., you know. And and so my face goes, we're going to train up ministry gifts so we have an apostolic team and we can all work together and the church grows. I love, you know, Amanda preached and killed it, you know, last month when she preached. Chris preached an amazing message, and you know, but they're different than me. You know, they have impartation, but they're different than me. They're not, they don't have to be me. If not, I can, might as well preach. But why do we get other people to preach? Because they bring a distinctive that we don't have. None of us have everything. You know, Pastor Troy and Anwen, they preach. Pastor Troy's prophetic. He comes and, you know, he's got his thing. Pastor Anwen's a great teacher and, and discipler and, you know, and, and comes in. And she has her, we all have our distinctives. One's not better than the other. We need everything. You can't just eat, you know, rice and beans all the time. You need other things. You need some vegetables sometimes. You need some fruits sometimes. I came back from Brazil. The food's amazing. That's why I had to go on a diet, you know. And they have the best beef and the meat and, the, you know, the vegetables and everything. But it's balanced. We need a balanced diet, and that helps us to grow up. One's not better than the other. We need everything. Amen? And then we become a healthy church. And so we want to empower the many, and we want to empower the few. So what we want to look like as a church. We did a survey like, you know, what, what do we want people to say? What do we want to look like as a church? And, and these were the top five things. We want to be known as a passionate church. When people come, they're like, these people are passionate. These people are alive. We are Alive. That's why we're called the Live Church, because we're passionate, okay? If you're dead, it's okay. We'll get you alive. Jesus is very good at raising the dead. But when you're alive, what happens? You have a voice. That means what? You preach. You have a voice. You evangelize. You have movement. You're going somewhere. A dead person doesn't speak and doesn't move. Okay? We have life. There's breath in us. Spirit. Are you here? So we want to be passionate. We want to be committed. Be a committed church. The problem in the world we live in, nobody wants to be committed to anything. We want to play church, and so we don't want to really be the church. We want to play marriage and shack up together, and we don't really want to get marriage. And, you know, if you're in that situation, there's help. Learn how to do it right and transition into that. There's no condemnation. But God has a plan. Why? Because it brings blessing. 
it brings protection. God's not trying to take from us and micromanage us and make life difficult for us. He's trying to save us from hardship and heartache. And uh, there's many things I know in my life and probably yours you wish you had done more towards the word of God. It would have saved you a lot of pain. And so God wants us to do that. But being committed to the word of God, being committed to the vision of God, being committed to one another. We're, we're committed church. And I love that when we see everyone serving and people, you know, coming and, and you know, meeting up with one another, giving their time for one another. Why? Because we're committed to God and we're committed to one another. Number three, we're fun. We can have fun as a Christian. The most exciting life we can live is a life as a Christian. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. But some Christians, you're like, they don't look very alive. They don't look like they're having fun. They look miserable. Don't be one of those Christians because people are looking at you. When you invite them to Christ, they're thinking, do I want to be like Sophia? Do I want to be like you know, uh, uh, Dwayne? Do I want to be like Amanda? Do I want to be like Stephen? And the answer should be yes, because there's something attractive in our life. There's health in our life. There's something attractive in our life. We are enjoying life. The most exciting life we can live is life as a Christian. Yes, there's, there's hardship sometimes that we have to endure. Yes, we sow in tears sometimes, but we reap in joy. You know, there's always that side of it where the abundant life is there. Some churches, they only preach the cross. Jesus is still even actually hanging up on the cross. But we don't preach the, just the cross because he's not on the cross anymore. He went into the tomb. He went and he died for three days. He rose from the dead. And he's, he's at heaven. He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He's exalted. He's in a place of glory. Don't just pre- preach the negative part. Yes, there's a cross. Yes, we got to deny stuff. But the things we deny make a way for something better. When the seed falls in the ground and dies, it produces fruit. When we sow, we're going to reap. As we do unto others and they don't appreciate us, no one likes that. But guess what? It's going to come back around. That's the gospel. We need to preach that and we need to emulate that and experience in our life. All right? So we're passionate, committed, fun. We're authentic. And that's very important. What does it mean? We keep it real. We don't need to put on a show. We don't live in this hyper, you know, we talk about hyper faith. Faith acknowledges the facts, but acknowledges God's reality is greater than the facts. Okay, you know, some Christians, I grew up and, you know, people are sick and there's, at you, at you, oh, you're sick. Oh, I bind that in Jesus. Don't say I'm sick. Well, there's phlegm coming out of you. You're coughing. You don't sound like yourself. You look terrible. You're sick. But they don't want to acknowledge the facts because that's not faith. That's not what we're preaching. Come on, faith acknowledges the facts. Come on, I once was lost, I once was blind, I went, this is the issue. But then it says, do you believe you can walk? Do you believe you can stretch forth your arm? So we, don't, don't not acknowledge, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm prospering, I'm blessed, I'm coming, going and out, and you're overdrawn in your checking account. You don't feel really blessed right now. Come on, don't be trying to play, play and pretend it's something you're not. What do you say? I'm blessed. I'm empowered to prosper. Yes. And guess what? I'm believing God for this negative to turn to a positive. That's faith. And we can journey through the whole process, all right, and have the reality. That's why some people are scared of Christianity because they think we live in a, in a false reality and this hyper reality. That's not faith. Faith brings the supernatural into the natural, but you got to know in the natural what we, where we're at and then believe God for the supernatural. God's not limited by the natural, but he works in the natural. Come on, give the Lord a shout, amen? So we're authentic. And number five, we're loving. What does that mean? The Bible says, what's the point 
of all the things we do if we don't have love for one another. He's, Jesus said that the main thing, Paul said, that, that will show that we're his disciples is we have love for one another. And I love our community. There's genuine brotherhood, sisterhood. There's genuine spiritual parenting going on, not in a weird controlling way, but in a loving way where we can love one another and we're there for each other. And when one goes through something, we're there. And I love that fact. But as a loving church, let's be careful not to be so connected that we don't make room for new people. That we're always going for lunch with the same people every week. We all have our own connect group, but we don't want it to grow because it's really nice like it is. That's not how it wants to be. Come on, this week, invite somebody for, to lunch that you didn't know, amen? And, and, and come, you know, and, and, and get them involved. Why? Because we need to, our group can always get bigger. Don't get comfortable. Don't be so inward that no one else can break into your group. That was in high school we had that was called the click. And they're so tight, nobody, you know, they didn't want anyone else in their group. No, that's not maturity. Come on, there's always room for one more. There's always one room. Join the family. Come, welcome home. Come, amen? So that's what we want to look like as a church. What's our voice? What's our attitude? We're passionate. We're purposeful. We're authentic. We're caring. And we're healthy. Because when you have all these things, you're healthy. You're healthy as an individual. You know, you watch those movies and the man looks at the woman and she's like, you complete me. That's nonsense. Don't be looking for a man or woman to complete you. Be complete in Jesus before you get married. Come on. You help me. You support me. You're, you're, you're there. Two come together. Two is better than one. But, but, but don't look to that other person to be God in your life and meet your needs. That's a recipe for disaster. Amen. That was free. I didn't say that in the first service. All right. So, so be healthy. But when we're healthy, we're healthy individuals. We're healthy as entrepreneurs. We're healthy as, as, we're, we're healthy as students. We're healthy in marriages. We have healthy families. We have health. It's attractive. People are attracted to health. Why do we go to the gym? It's not enjoyable. <laughs> but when you go, why? Because you see all the healthy people. You see the people that live there. They're the gym rats. They're there every day, and they look fit, and you're like, I want that. How much does it cost? Amen. <laughs> but you realize the cost is it's what you got to go in, and you got to put in the reps. The reps aren't fun, but as you get into the reps, it becomes enjoyable. You get in the reps, it becomes a habit. Junk food tastes better. Come on. <laughs> Anybody who tells you differently is not telling the truth, you know? But guess what? When you start eating healthy food, you lose your desire for junk food and you can't eat it anymore. Come on, there's stuff I ate and I get a headache immediately. I'm like, what's in there? That's not food, you know? But what, your body, you don't crave it anymore. You don't crave the, the bad things. Come on, every, everyone likes ice cream or chocolate or something with sugar in it because when it goes in, your brain goes, woohoo! They say it's more addicting than cocaine. I've never done cocaine, but that's what they say. Sugar. You know, no wonder it's hard. When I start dieting this week, the first three days, I get, you get headaches. Why? You're detoxing from sugar and things like that. But it's good. It's healthy. After a while, you feel light. After You don't want to do those things because you're healthy. People are attracted to health. As a healthy church, people are attracted. Come on. So what, who are those we're targeting? What are the people that we're going after? Are we a church for everyone? Of course not. There's some people that prefer a more, a more traditional service. That's okay. Go to a traditional service if that's what you really like. Some people, you know, different things. But who is it that we're really 
going for. Why another church? Why a live church? Who are we targeting? First of all, we're targeting the searchers. Which what? Those that are searching for something more. Maybe they've been looking for love in all the wrong places. They're searching. But really they're searching for God. Maybe they're searching for more meaning in life. They're just going through life and going through the rat race. And maybe they even call themselves a Christian. But there's no purpose in life. They have no meaning in life. They have no, no impact on planet earth. And they're looking for the impact. They're searching for something more. Those are the people that we're looking for. I don't know about you. That's how I was. I wanted the real. I didn't want dead religion. I grew up in church my whole life and was in church every time the doors were open. But some of the stuff was ridiculous. You know? But, but when I saw people come in and saw the power of God, and so I'm like, that's what I want. This is real. I was searching for encounter. We're looking for the hungry. Well, I don't really need God. Well, this probably church isn't for you. If you just want to come once every three months, you're going to feel left out. You're not going to feel plugged in. You know, we're looking for the hungry. What's, who's the hungry? Those that are looking to encounter God. Those that are looking to grow in their spiritual life. Those that are looking to be equipped and who God's called them to be. You got to be hungry. And when you, we're hungry, when you taste and see the Lord is good, what happens? You want more. That's why we always pray more and more. And people say, why are we asking for more? Because we want more. The only time it's good to be greedy is for God. The only time it's good to be greedy is for his presence. I want more. I'm not satisfied. I want more miracles. I want more, I want more nations. Come on. I want more people to encounter. I want more preachers being raised up. I want more media people. I want more ushers. I want more children's workers. I want more. Why? Because there's more. And we press towards the mark of the high call. There's, a, there's, a, there's the comfortability to just stay where we're at. And we can stay where we're at and just have a nice church. People say, well, you know, you want to grow bigger because then you have more money. That's not true. Because when you go bigger, you need a bigger building that costs more money. When you have a bigger building, the electricity costs more. So bigger is not better. Bigger doesn't mean more. But more, we need those things to impact more people because more people brings more impact into the kingdom. Because you can impact people I can't impact. You can impact people Pastor Susan can't impact. Because we don't live in your world. We don't go to work with you. We don't go to your family with you. We don't go to your school with you. But the more people we have, the more impact we can have. Amen? So we want to be uh, healthy. Who are we targeting? Where's the searcher, the hungry? We're looking for the broken. We're not trying to build a spiritual elitist church here. People come broken. We say, you know, churches always say, come as you are, come as you are. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. I heard one preacher, you heard me say this before, and they're like, people have come to our church for five years, and they've still not given their life to the Lord. I'm thinking, what are we doing Come on, are we encountering God or not? Because when you encounter God, you want to surrender your life to him. What are we doing? Are we just entertaining people? Are we just making people feel comfortable? We need to seek and save the lost. I believe that, but Jesus, they need to meet Jesus. Are you here? And so the broken, people come in broken. They have broken marriages. They're broken sexually. They're broken financially. They're broken emotionally. Some people are broken intellectually, mentally. Come. Come to Jesus. He'll heal the broken heart. He'll set at liberty those that are bruised. He'll help us to restore. You know, some churches, you're divorced, you can't serve in ministry. That's a lie from the pit of the hell. God can't forgive a divorcee that messed up in life, and he can forgive a, a, a murderer, a drug addict. That's nonsense. So come, get, get back. God is a restorer. He makes all things new. Come on. God is not condemning us. We can come as we are. Come broken, but get healed. Sometimes we talk to people, and you know, they tell us their story, and you, you identify your compassion with them, and the way they're sharing the pain, it's like it happened last week. 
And he talked to him, it's like, oh, that was 15 years ago. I'm like, oh my gosh. You've been carrying this for 15 years? It's time to get healed. Come and get healed. There's inner healing that's available. There's deliverance that's available. There's the renewing of the mind that's available. That what, when we're broken, what God doesn't break us, a, ro- broke, a broken reed, he doesn't break us. You know, a little reed that's almost broken, he heals us. He doesn't break it off. But what does he want to do? Restore us. He restores my soul. My cup runs over. And so we can come and find restoration. We can come and find healing. That's why in our church, you know, it's, we don't just do counseling. We do pastoral care. And part of pastoral care is counseling. But I've realized in 30 years of ministry, you can't counsel a demon. They love to talk. Sometimes we got to cast the demon out. Because some people, it's not a counseling problem. They got a demon problem. Are you here? And your marriage, there's demons attacking your marriage. And you don't just need to come and, well, he said this and she said that. And it's like you're there every week, like, back and forth about he said, she said. Let's forget about he, who he said, she said. Let's love one another and let's stop getting into strife and stop operating under a wrong influence. Let's get out of unforgiveness because we have to forgive or God says he doesn't forgive us. We can't hold things over and get into kingdom living. And guess what? Healing comes to our marriage. But you can, you can go to a counselor, they'll collect that $200 a week from you, and you'll be in counseling for five years and never change. You just go and put a Band-Aid every week and feel a little bit better because you shared, but you're not coming into transformation. Yeah. All right? And so we love counseling. We refer people to Christian counselors. We have Christian psychiatrists because sometimes there's other stuff going on. It's chemical, you know, involved. We're not against those things. But as a church, we're here to listen to the problem. We're here to counsel when we're here to bring the power of God, bring the word of God into situations so that we can see transformation. Amen? Amen. So we want to help the broken. We're here, to, we're here for the creative. And so when I say creative, what does it mean? God's a creative spirit. We got creative people in church. Sometimes creativity is seen as bad, and people come in, and you've got the, you know, the singers, and you've got the musicians, and you've got the artists, and you've got all these people in this creative world, and they come to church as like, world is bad, God is good, leave all that alone. No, God's creative. We can use our creative ability for the kingdom. I'm creative, but not in an artistic way. I draw stick figures. My handwriting's terrible. Are you here? But guess what? I'm creative in my sermon. I'm creative in creating programs to help people. I'm creative in business coaching. I'm creative in mentoring. I'm creative. God is a creative spirit. And the Holy Spirit's on the inside. He wants to create. The Holy Spirit was over the face of the earth. And God said, so we want that creative. We want to create new songs. We're in the process of writing songs. We want, we want people to come in. They have different vibe and they're different, you know, thing. and be creative. The church can be colorful. The church can be beautiful. That's how heaven is, amen? And so we, we love the creative. And then we're also targeting who? The adventurer. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I have that adventurer thing on me. My wife always says you're just a little, you know, big older boy. But men never really grow up. Our toys just get more expensive. Are you here? And, and so what we do, but that side of fun loving, that adventurous side, like let's do something new. I'm like, let's not go to the same restaurant every week. There's got to be a new one out there. When I go into a city, I want to explore the city. I want new food. I want new things. I love the nature. You know, and I think God has put that on the inside of us. We're here for the adventure, not just the person who just wants mundane life. And, and it doesn't want, we want to adventure. That's why we go into the nations. We just went to Brazil on an amazing time. And, you know, Dwayne was telling me it's one of the best trips he's ever been on. You know what? Because you're out of your comfort zone. You're meeting new culture. It's an adventure. You've only been on a plane for three and a half hours, four hours, and now you're on there for 12 you know, that's not fun, but it's an adventure. <laughs> and so 
be adventuring with God. God always has new things in store. And so who are we looking for? Our church, we're looking for those that are searching for something more. Church, those that are hungry. Those that can come broken, but they, they're wanting to be healed so they can fulfill their purpose. The creative, the adventurer. These are the people we're going to for. Amen? So what's our vision statement? I put it up for you. We want to be a church that's raising up strong local churches that are spirit-empowered, life-giving, that bring transformation to individuals, families, communities, and nations. What's our goal? It's really to build the church. Not a building, not a hierarchy and infrastructure, but people in, in a, that are united in a church around the commonality of a love for God, a love for people, a love for life, that we can come together and, and build strong local church that make disciples, that are spirit-empowered, life-giving, that what? Individuals are being transformed so that families can be transformed, so that communities can be transformed, and also we can transform nations. Say amen. So that's why we exist, and we're, we're, that's what we're doing here. This is our model. This is a prodigy. You know, I got a prophetic word, and, you know, I preached to thousands and tens of thousands around the world, and we start out, and we started with 47 people, you know, at, at UCI, and that's how we started. You know, and, and I got this prophetic word and said, God wants you to build a very strong church, but it's going to be slow, but it's going to be steady. I said, get behind me. And no pastor likes that kind of word. But guess what? When you begin to realize it's not just about, the, it's about the quality. It's about building something strong, about building the foundation. Guess what? From there, when the foundation is strong, have you ever seen an architect or a builders, when they build, they take the most time on the foundation? But then guess what? The walls go up quickly. Everything happens 50. God's been building the foundation and the lives, building a team together, bringing people together. So come on, we can begin to get into the purpose of God. Things are going to speed up, but the foundation is most important because what happens? We want to grow a church that's strong, a discipleship making. We're not just after numbers. The church can grow large on Sundays, but we grow smaller through our connect groups, grow smaller through our discipleship groups, grow smaller through our Bible studies, our mentoring. And what do we have? Everyone's still connected, but we grow strong. Amen? So that's the vision statement. Mission statement. What's our mission? We want to bring individuals into a fresh real encounter with the presence of Jesus and to empower them to live passionately committed and authentic lives that impact others. What is it all about? Encountering Jesus. Encountering the presence. I don't care how much I can pray and how awesome I can prophesy. We want you to learn how to pray. We want you to learn to, to, to get into your gift and what God's doing. Why? Because no one's going home with you. You got to learn how to pray. Jesus is on call 24-7. He never sleeps or slumbers, but we do. And you're going to get the voicemail. Are you here? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you, we've got we've to build people in the place where what? We're empowering. When we get an encounter, some of us have had an encounter, but it was in 1970. It's time for a fresh encounter. We had an encounter meeting in, in January, the last week. Come on, but it's June. We need another encounter in June. Don't be waiting until next January. <laughs> so we need that encounter the presence of God, that we're empowered in what there's passion, there's commitment in our life. We're living authentically, and that's what's going to bring impact. Let's say it together. What's our mission? Guys, if we can put it up one more time. What's our mission? Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. To bring individuals into a fresh... How do we do this? And you've heard this. Three ways. We're going to reach the world equip the willing, and release the ready. 
What's our call? To reach the world. What's the world? It's not just nations. That's part of it. The world that you live in. If you're in the realms of arts and entertainment, that's your world. If you're in the realm of business, that's your world. If you're in the realm of education, that's your world. If you're in the realm of government, we really need to pray for you. That's your world. But you need to impact them. Come on. You know, in, in, in all the different realms of society, on the different pillars of society, families. If you're a housemaker, that's your world. Focus on that. And then in the church, that's a world that we live in. We need to impact those worlds. And then we'll equip the willing. Not everyone's willing to be discipled. So we want to equip the willing. We're not forcing anyone into a system. But if you're willing, we're, we're wanting to equip you. And then release the ready. If you're not being equipped and willing, you're never going to be ready. But when people are ready, we're equipping. People say, well, why are, why are so-and-so getting to preach? And I don't get to preach yet. Because they're farther along, maybe in character. They're farther along in development. They're farther along in connectivity. So they're ready to start doing it. Not that they're perfect. Are you here? It got real quiet. But, you know, when we're ready, God will let our leadership know and go. People say, well, nobody's recognizing my gift. And I got this gift. And you've been to 10 different churches. Of course no one's going to recognize your gift. You haven't been around long enough. No one recognized my gift. Well, you're not connected to anybody. You just think you're going to come and sit in the back and come late and leave early and everyone's going to recognize you? We don't even know you. Get connected. Get, well, or just, you know, some people come, they just want to get connected to the pastor. They're just always talking to us. I'm like, I can love you. I can like you. But if you're not connected to anyone else in the body, I can't empower you because you have no authority to lead people you have no relationship with. Relationship precedes ministry. That's how the kingdom works. And the church has made it different. You know, where, where we mess things up, but that's how the kingdom works. You're going to have a relationship. And so, you know, we got to get to know each other, get in a relationship, and your gift will make room for you. Yeah. Come on, when someone asks you to pray for you and you pray for them and pray the house down every time, guess what? You're going to get a reputation. Are you here? When you're in connect group and you're a chief worshiper and you sing and just when you're there, the meeting's different than when you're not there, guess what? People are going to be like, Stephen, we got a songbird in our group. Come on, you, you, need, you need to meet this person. And you got it, but we can't do it in the small. We only do it on stage. That's not ministry. Everything that's done up here, everyone who does it here does it privately. Are you here? Amen? And then we release the ready. So in the next few months, I'm ending soon, we're going to be introducing membership. And we say, what is membership? Not as a way to to deflect everyone. If you're here and you're visiting, we love you, but we want to be able to distinguish who's committed to the movement. Whose commitment to take the vision that God's given to Pastor Susan and myself and begin to build on that, that vision? So in the world, we have a few things. We have the community. Who's the community? At Christmas, you know, we had 500 over people in our church. We had one service. We only had like 10 members, and the whole rest of the church was 170 brand new people. That's the community. They may show up at Easter. They may show up at Christmas, but that's not the church. Are you here? Then you have the crowd. Who's the crowd? They may show up once a month, twice a month. Yeah, they may show up, but they're not connected. They're just the crowd. They show up, okay? And we welcome you. If you're part of the crowd, you're trying to find your place, fine. But guess what? The, the church that, that, that it becomes the best church for you is the one you plant yourself in and commit to, all right? Where you can identify with a vision. But we have the crowd, and we're going to feed the crowd. We're going to minister to the crowd. We're going to continue to do what we're doing. We have a crowd watching us online of thousands of people around the world every week. That's the crowd, okay? But they're not really a part of the church. Then we have the congregation. Who's the congregation? Those are the people that are committed to attending. They're here pretty much every week if they're not traveling, but they're not really 
connected in discipleship. They're not really connected in, in serving yet. And we love you. If you're part of the congregation, you've joined us. But don't stay on the outer circle of the congregation. We want to move into the core where, what, where we're a member, where what we share in the vision, that we're praying for the vision, that we're committed to the vision, that it's not just Pastor Derek and Susan's church or Dwayne and Amanda's church or Pastor Anwin and Pastor Troy's church. It's my church because I'm committed to build what God's called us to build. So as membership, what are we going to do? Basically four things. Those that are committed to the move of God in a live church in the territory and identify it and want to be a part of it. Can we have the slide, guys? They're committed to the move of God in a live church and the territory. Second of all, they're committed to discipleship and personal growth. Wanting to grow themselves, come into your gifts committed to service, to get involved, to serve. How many of you, you know, many of us say we're too busy to serve. How many of you are busy? Can you just lift your hands? 99% of us, some of us are, uh, we're too busy to raise our hand. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're busy. Guess what? But everybody on this stage is busy. Are you guys busy? I know Stephen's busy because he works for me. And so when you work for me, you're very busy. But guess what? He's still here on Thursday night. His wife's here with him running sound. They don't get paid for that. It's not their working hours, but they're committed to build the worship team. He's here this morning. I saw the alarm went off at 725 and he disarmed the alarm. And he was here at 725 to get worship ready for you guys. This is our second service. It's almost one o'clock. We're going to get you out for lunch. And uh, come on, give him a big hand. Are you clapping about lunch, Samuel, or Stephen? I'm not. <laughs> Stephen, Stephen. All right, all right. So... <laughs> <laughs> so keeping it real, all right. So, you know, but, but why? People, we're all busy. I mean, I have a wife. I have three kids. Fourth one, we've adopted spiritual children. You know, we, we've got stuff that we're going on. We're busy. I got three businesses. We're all busy, but, but we're committed to serve. And I realize when I'm building God's house, God builds my house. When I'm about God's business, God takes care of my business. And I'm not saying I don't focus on it. But we're busy. Successful people are very busy. But guess what? They wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning. When I read that, I didn't like that. I'm not a morning person. But what? They're up in the morning. What are they doing? They're exercising. They're getting their mindset right. They're in their devotions. They're having their time alone with God. They're reading and preparing themselves and growing in knowledge. And that's what caused them to be successful. We all have 24 hours in a day. You know, I, I've been in the gym and I had to get back into it. It was tough this week. You know, I've been doing power lifting and getting back in and I was like, my whole body's aching, you know. And, and, and you know, it's not, and I, I saw this video by Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, and he's got his little thing there and they were talking about what, thing and people are so busy now, they say they don't have time. And he's like, stop being a baby, you know, he's, stop that. He had some blankety blanks in there too, which I'm not going to say, but, you know, he's like, he's like, we all have 24 hours in the day. Invest in yourself, invest in your health, invest in your destiny and your future. And I'm thinking, this guy, I don't even know he's a Christian, but that can preach. Be invested. Those are committed to service. And then those that are committed to give. The average donors, you know, that, that give in a church, it's about 20%, 80, 80% of people don't give. They just come to church. I mean, where else can you come and get a nice seat with great air conditioning and great praise and worship, free childcare, for free? You can't get that anywhere. But they're and they're just consumers. Don't just be a consumer. Be, be, be someone who's committed. The Bible says bring your tithes into the storehouse so there's food in the house of God to do what God's called us to do. Are you here? It's not just about us 
getting blessed and God will bless us, but be committed. Be committed to the vision. Put, put your money behind. Why? You're investing your family. You're investing your eternity. How can we invest our eternity in heaven, but we don't want to invest in building his church? So be committed to things. So membership is not difficult. That's basically, I would say, what it means to be a Christian, a real one. But we want to know who is the core. And who, so we want to know who's that. Who can we count on that's committed? And of course, with membership, there's the benefits. Because we're committed to. We're committed to everyone to feed and to grow. And people are different walks of life. But who are those that are really laying down their life for the vision? Come on. We also need to make sure we're giving 110% to a disciple, to train, to equip you, to empower you to the fullest and what God has for you. Amen? So we're going to be seeing some of that coming. What are we going to do? Our purpose is to break the limitations and show the world how amazing Jesus really is. Introducing others to him. And what's our goal? To help others to be like Jesus. That's really what our Christian life is about. What do we want to do? We want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus as a husband. I want to be more like Jesus as a father. I want to be more like Jesus as a pastor. I want to be more like Jesus in all that I do. That's our goal. What are our goals? In the next one year, we want to break 250 people. That's about 50% growth as a church. So we want to break. We're probably going to have to start another service or knock out a wall. <laughs> we probably can't knock out a wall, so another service, but that's okay. And we want to grow and really take the church into the next place. If every member just, uh, if, if every two members just brought one person, not even a family, it's, that's easy. It's easy to do. So we want to begin to, 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 to reach out and evangelize and connect with people who are what? The searching, the hungry, the broken, the creatives, those that are looking for adventure in their life, and invite them to come to Christ, invite them to come to be a part of this spiritual family. In the next three years, we're believing we're going to have our own campus, our own building. Come on. <laughs> believing for our own building. Why? I don't like paying rent. Jesus said, be an owner, not a renter. And so we're believing God, we're going to raise the resources, opportunities coming, I believe strategically, I'm set in the real estate market, when the opportunity comes and we have the money, we're going to get a good deal, or we're going to believe God, someone will give us a building. And uh, we have our own building, so we don't have to pay rent every month, and we can use the resources for ministry, and we're believing God will grow to 500 people in the next uh, uh, three years. In the next 10 years, we're going to believe for three campuses throughout Orange County, moving towards L.A. Come on, get excited because that means you're going to have an opportunity. Amen. Healthy, creatives, people coming, families, people coming, and where we can impact our territory. What's our goal? We want, we want to be passionate for the presence of God, for family, and seeing lives transformed. We want to make a difference every day and make our life count for God. We're excited about life. We're excited about his church. We're excited about seeing his kingdom come and his will being done. We're authentic. We want to be practical. Keep it real. We want to say and do what we say. Are you here? We want to celebrate the diversity of cultures, the diversity of ethnicities. We want to celebrate difference, our creativity, our distinctness. We come in all of our diversity, but we are one in Christ. What do we stand for in closing? We stand for God. We stand for family. We stand for his church. That God, we believe the word of God. We, we're, we're spirit empowered. We want to take back family. My wife and I were so passionate about families. That's why we do women's meetings, the men, because we need strong families. Families are under assault in our nation, if you haven't noticed. This whole identity issue, it's, it's disrupting families. 
and we wanna build a strong church based on those Christian values. What do we believe in? We believe in the Bible. We believe it's relevant for today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word never changes. We, we believe in Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church that we need to live our lives for him. We believe in the spirit-filled, empowered life. What do we value? We value God's presence. We value God's word. We value God's people. What's our uniqueness? As we look around the room, we're multicultural. We're multiracial. We're spirit-filled. Many times, especially in this territory, you know, we have people come to church and leave in the middle of worship. So all oh, the worship was weird. People are worshiping. They're singing in a strange language. I felt uncomfortable. I'm thinking, are you looking for God? You know, I, I came to church and somebody, you know, got, someone prayed for them and they get flew and fell under the power. Are you looking for what's real? Are we just planning to play church? And we can be labeled all these things, you know. In many parts of the world, you can't find that. People are flocking to it because they're hungry. But we're spirit-filled. We're not ashamed of that. We're not weird. But we believe in an encounter with God. I can't change your life. I can try to help you my best. I pray for you. But only Jesus can change your life. Only Jesus can make the difference in your life. And he, only he can do it in my life too. How do we act? We're convicted. We're committed. And we're bold. We're not arrogant. But we're bold. We speak the truth in love. We stand up for what's right. We're we're focused on the heavenly vision. And we don't need to apologize for that. We can be bold in that and still be loving. Are you here? And what are we driven by? We're driven by love. We're driven by vision. And we're driven by purpose. Love for God. Love for people. A vision to see his kingdom come as will be done. And the purpose that God has given us. Why are we here? So that we can begin to take the mandate he's given us and begin to further his vision here in Orange County. And all God's people said, come on, give the Lord a shout. You guys did amazing.